my life. It always will be. There's nothing else. Just us. And the cameras. And those wonderful people out there in the dark. We've seen them for so long on movie trailers, on film posters, that they've become wallpaper of popular culture. That always influential and sometimes controversial parental advisory rating system of five grades from G to NC-17 replaced the movie's rigid old Hayes Code, and it judges movies not according to whether they're any good, but for the amount of violence, sex and nudity, foul language, drinking, drugs, and smoking. So who are those raters who assign those letters that can shape the box office take? Around 10 or 12 parents who watch three movies a day, five days a week, every week of the year. For 31 of the 51 years that the Motion Picture Association of America's ratings board has been issuing those grades, Joan Graves has been in that screening room, 19 of them as its chair. She's just retired, and if you think she never wants to see another movie, uh, 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 sorry, no spoilers, let's rate this interview PG. How did you get selected in the first place? It's not like you can answer a want ad. A friend I knew recommended me to Richard Hefner, who was chairman at the time. And I love movies and I love being a parent. And the more he described it, I thought it would be a fun opportunity. And how has the job changed for you and your colleagues over those 30 years? Well, I think it changed a lot when Dick Hefner left, because before that, the, he had had a very hands-off stance with filmmakers, but I had talked to so many directors and screenwriters who were so frustrated because they didn't know a lot about the system, and they more and more were having to sign contracts before they even started a film to deliver a certain rating or, or less. And we started um, a little bit of an outreach saying, you know, if you have questions, please call us. Uh, we appointed a filmmaker liaison as well as myself, who would talk to any filmmaker who called either in the script stage or after they'd signed the contract or even as they were filming a scene, if they had questions about certain things that would cause certain ratings. Of course, we couldn't guarantee anything, but we could certainly guide them if they wanted to stay within certain ratings. Is there or has there evolved a formula for ratings? So many bare breasts gets X. I don't mean X rating, but so many breasts gets this rating. So many F words get no, there's the famous language rule, of course, that more, more than one use of the F word is an automatic R unless there's an extraordinary two-thirds vote. The board watches the film together all at the same time. They vote separately before any discussion, so it's all individual opinions first. And then the senior rater announces the vote, and we have a discussion. And it's really the impression of parents who are who come from all over, who are supposed to rate the film the way they think a majority of parents would rate the film. So there are not a lot of rules. Do you all sit in the same room, or is this done online? No, all in the same room. Do you even get popcorn? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) In fact, one of the most humorous things that I noticed right off the bat was when we saw a lot of violence, the board would want popcorn. When there was a lot of sex, they'd want chocolate. And when they were bored, they'd want bagels. What are some of the myths about what the board does? Um, I think the biggest myth of all is that they're kind of blue-haired censors, and we're not a censor board at all. The rating indicates the level of content, and the descriptor indicates what's present at that rating level. Our goal is to give 
the parents a snapshot view of content in the film so that they can decide what's best for their individual children or according to their family values. We don't prescribe what's good or bad. The tastes in films, I presume, are different regionally. Yeah, they are. What do you find? When I used to get calls, I'd always ask where the caller was from. I did find out that by asking where they were from, I was able to get a little glimpse into the differences across the country. And Southerners are much more concerned about blasphemy than the rest of the country. And the Midwesterners were more attuned to the nudity. And the two coasts with bigger cities were more attuned to violence. So people know who you are. You're not like a secret restaurant critic. No, no, not a secret, not a secret at all. We've got a website, with, and the senior raters are available to talk to the public at any time, as am I. We made ourselves very available. You get kooky calls, there's no question, and people that rant and rave, and you can tell right away that they're not calling because they're a parent and have been confused about making a decision. They call because they want a certain thing out of movies or not there at all, or they have an agenda. So it was kind of my job to ferret that out before passing any messages along to the board. As there has been more openness about same-sex relationships, how has that changed the ratings decision? Does the same kind of scene in a same-sex relationship get a different rating than a heterosexual relationship with essentially the same content? I know it used to. I think that's changed a lot in the last two decades, just like America's changed, so has the rating system. Now I think it's considered equally, it's the graphics of either heterosexual or homosexual that would push it into R, not any thematic or subject matter. One of the other things I appreciate about our system is we're never more than PG-13 for theme. So a theme is never restricted. It's just the graphics or the very vivid description of something that could make it push it into R. Have you seen, I don't know for want of calling it anything else, ratings creep that as the country may get more sophisticated. For an example, we just spoke of more accustomed to same-sex relationships. Oh, yeah. Yes. A creep. And, and it creeps both ways. I know that the drug content now is considered more harshly than it was, say, in the 70s when all the parents thought taking drugs was fun for all. You know, <laughs> they realized some of the consequences weren't as wonderful as they thought. And they're much more sensitive to drug content than they used to be. Here's a small break with a big message. Hi, everyone. It's me, Lucas Peterson, L.A. Times food columnist. And I think you'll be pleased to learn that the L.A. Times food section has relaunched both online and in print. We have excellent recipes, outstanding reviews, unbelievable local food news, all for you at the very affordable price of 99 cents for the first four weeks for online access and $1.99 per week after that. Find our content online every day and in print on Thursdays. Go to latimes.com slash hungryla to subscribe. The phrase X-rated has entered the vocabulary, and it started as a film rating, which is now NC-17. And the phrase adult film is used synonymously with pornography, whereas I think of an adult film as something very sophisticated and intense. That That is one of the flaws of how the system evolved, and I think it was traceable to the fact that when they first trademarked our ratings, they didn't trademark the X, feeling that 
It was an adult rating, so anybody could indicate something was adult. They didn't need to trademark it. So what happened is the sex industry took it over, and what was considered before just an adult quality film, which you've just described so well, like Midnight Cowboy, who got it years ago, took on the patina of a sex rating because they said double X, triple X, come see this, and everyone began to think of sex as the X rating, and therefore that's why we changed it to NC-17 and we trademarked it because we wanted to enforce it as an adult rating. Now, what happened to it, unfortunately, was it, it hasn't achieved the success that I hoped because a lot of filmmakers or submitters do not accept it. When they're given an NC-17, they edit the film to get down into the R category, so they don't like to go to market with it as well because in their mind, it has more restrictions, but in actuality, it's a very it should be a viable rating, and I regret that it hasn't been more viable. Boy, I mean, when I look back, I went through the, when we were watching some porn, but some of that almost porn that would try to get an R rating, but would be wall-to-wall naked bodies, but they wouldn't be doing much. <laughs> <laughs> but see, then with the sex home entertainment market, that took it away from us. They didn't need ratings anymore because you could get them in your home and the adult movie theaters would just apply the triple X and handle it themselves. But in the beginning, we saw a lot more uh, sexual content than we do now. There used to be an M, which I guess is now the PG-13 M for mature audiences. Why did that go away? It was before I was involved. From what I hear, the public was misunderstanding it, and it sounded like it was more strident than, in fact, it was meant to be. You had to be more mature to see it than, in fact, you needed to be. I thought it meant people would think it was for those over 65. (laughs) Well, now that I'm there, I'm sensitive (laughs) about that. (laughs) There have been several signature controversies during your tenure. One, of course, was the King's Speech which used more than the acceptable number of F-words, but they were being used in the movie in a therapeutic fashion. Well, yeah, that was a very influential film for us. There was such a flurry about how could they do this as such a good film that we did quite an involved survey on language alone to find out what parents really thought and if we were truly reflecting what they thought because we thought maybe we were not adjusting according to how the times were, and what we got back was very interesting. Parents didn't want any F-words in 13. They didn't care whether it was a a historical bit or whether it was the documentary. They wanted to be told it was there, and they were going to make the decision about whether to take their kids or not. They made it clear to us that we were following the right path in applying that rating, even though it did seem very odd to us at the time, I must say. Now, when you all sit down after the film to vote, and for the board, when you start discussing it, do individual members have, this is the hill I'm going to die on for some particular film. I feel so strongly about the rating for this film. Yeah, you do get films like that. There's no question. Not a lot of them, and not as many as you would think, but there are films like that that we are absolutely divided, and each side is is strong, and, and then we go into a mode of having any raider that hasn't seen it see it, so we can get everybody weighing in on it. It doesn't happen very often because usually it's pretty obvious. And it's usually between PG-13 and R, although sometimes PG is PG-13 is the difference. They must be fun as well as frustrating sometimes. It is fun. You know, creative people are usually fun. When I first started, I was called a couple of horrible names. 
by the filmmakers whom I was delivering the writing to. But those days are long gone. And I think that the nice thing about the system now is I think it's the filmmakers don't hate it anymore. I think they realize it as a good tool for informing parents and really the protection it is from keeping government out of the system. Because anytime parents are outraged or angry and want something done, they go to the government and the industry has been protected from that. Have people tried to game the system, whether it's the filmmakers or a bunch of angry parents? Yes, we have had some filmmakers some decades ago that there was one film we saw 11 times and they would change a frame, one frame, and then be qualified for a screening. And of course, that ended up with a rule change that we won't see a film more than two times and within a certain amount of time. Now that you're retiring, are you thinking, I never want to see another movie or I'll never be able to? Oh, no, the opposite. I just hope that I know of the good ones that I might have missed by not seeing a review. I still, when I was working, would go to the real theater because it was important to me to see how the audience would react to certain things when you see it on the big, big screen. And I do love movies, and I must admit, I like the smaller relationship movies more than the big tent poles. And I love foreign films, so many of those are not rated. But it's just so hard to catch, make sure you're aware of the ones you want to see. Friday, the LA Times reviews, and Friday is my major source, and and Joe Morgenstern. There are a couple documentaries that I have the titles written down somewhere. I can't remember them that I want to see. Documentaries are the genre that's really fascinated me in the last decade. Well, Joan Graves, thank you. Thank you. Pat Morrison Asks is produced for the Los Angeles Times by Pat Morrison. It's edited and engineered by Mike Heflin. The movie moment is from Sunset Boulevard from Paramount Pictures. The music is Max Steiner's score for Gone with the Wind from Selznick International and MGM. Subscribe to Pat Morrison Asks and never miss a podcast.